Thank you so much. I remember talking to Pastor Chris and Gina just, you know, not too long before they got the news and they were bracing for the worst about how Jonathan um, won't be able to go to school, won't be at church. I keep seeing him, encourage him, but don't hug him and tell, his, tell the people not to hug him. Um, I was researching, you know, when, when we heard pediatric uh, follicular lymphoma and uh, realized it was kind of a serious type of a lymphoma, which is a cancer of the blood. Uh, but, I mean, I, we just did not expect the level of good news. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's truly amazing uh, when God intervenes at times. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, even as we were listening to Pastor Chris's testimony, I am pretty sure that in a room this size, there are people who are sitting here uh, grateful for how God intervened in Jonathan's life. But there's a part of you who is that's saying, well, but why did God not intervene in my child's life? or my parents' life, or my sister's life. I prayed too. I fasted too. I read the scriptures too. I had other people pray too. But God remained silent. It wasn't even a delayed yes, but God made it clear. At the end, the answer will be no. You know, not too long ago, we had, I don't know if you remember, uh, Stephanie Chung who came and on the stage um, gave a testimony of her son who had autism and how she and her husband so prayed, prayed, prayed for his healing. Um, she would fast, she would read scripture, she would uh, ask other pastors to pray. But as he was growing up, they realized that perhaps God was never going to hear her prayer. And so she had to simply accept the fact that okay, he is not simply a boy with autism, but he'll grow up, hopefully, to be a man with autism. But we'll accept that, and hopefully he'll, his life will have meaning and give glory to God. And, but she also talked about, not only in her testimony in her book, but there was a moment when he, was, um, he had an accident, his life was on the verge, and she said, but God, don't take him from me. If he has autism, at least he's, alive here with autism. We can handle that, but we can't handle him not being here. That is, if you recall, one day he died in a drowning accident. And she said that there's a Korean saying that when a parent dies, you bury them in the ground, but when a child dies, you bury them in your heart. And although it's been years since she had to bury her son, she still told that story just weeping. It's a, it's, it's a dark pain in her and Peter's life, um, I believe, for the rest of their lives. You know, there are times in our lives, maybe not for all, but there are times in our lives that we pray honestly and we believe we're praying with a sincere heart according to God's will, but God doesn't seem to answer. And in fact, when God does speak, it's, the answer seems to be No. And we're not quite sure what to make of it. In the book of Isaiah, and that's the book we are on, uh, Isaiah is writing to a collective nation. Um, And he understands that as a collective nation, God is saying no to them in some way. And they will have to deal with 
uh, how to respond in times of darkness, uh, and he, uh, of how to cling on to hope when God has said no in some way. And so if you have not done so yet, let's turn our attention to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11 will be in verses 1 through um, 11, but Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, Isaiah's kind of uh, ministry will, will evolve, um, will last about 30-some years, and um, he'll not only see uh, the northern part of Israel uh, really face some enemies, but he foresees a time when, as a nation, they will be devastated. And uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 says this, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now, if you read this on your own, this would have been a, a, like somewhat meaningless to you, but for theologians or uh, if you're in a seminary and you're learning Isaiah, you'll understand this is extremely a, a meaningful verse. Um, it begins by talking about a stump, which I think, I believe I'm, I'm calling the present darkness. What is a stump? A stump is um, not that, you know, my parents, said they owned a home and, and a big backyard and some trees, and my mom says, can you get rid of these trees? I want to plant some stuff here. And so I got a, a saw, and I cut the tree down um, to, as closest to the ground as possible. And so what remains is a stump, the remnant of a tree. It no longer has uh, leaves. It no longer, has, uh, it no longer can bear fruit. It no longer has uh, branches or the, tr- uh, or the trunk. And in fact, for all uh, effective purposes, you, you, and I, you and I would say that that's a dead tree and that is the stump. And in Isaiah vernacular, um, the stump represents the nation of Israel, that it no longer uh, is, is acting like a nation. It has no walls, it has no temple, it has no king, and it is effectively dead as a nation. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 7 um, says, your country lies desolate, your cities are burned with fire in your pre- very presence. Foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. We are told in 722 BC, and this is just history as affirmed by Second Kings chapter 18, verse 11, the king of Assyria carried the Israelites away to Assyria. And in 527, a little while later, um, uh, we know that Babylon, the Babylonians come and take the, the rest of the nation, the south part of Israel, also called Judah, away. They, diso- they besiege Jerusalem, destroy the walls of the temple. And in Second Samuel chapter 25, verse 7, it says that they slaughtered the sons of uh, uh, Zedekiah. And so the le- very last king of Judah or, or southern Israel, his name is Zedekiah. It says that they took the sons of Zedekiah, all of his princes, lined them up before the king, and they slaughtered all of them before his eyes. And after having executed his own sons before his eyes, they uh, put out the eyes of Zedekiah. They uh, plucked out his eyes so that he can remember the last thing that he ever uh, looked at was the death of his sons. They took him away to Babylon, and we are told that he died in jail. The stump 
represents a current darkness. Um, there are times when we pray and pray and pray. We do all the right things and the answer is no. And we, we don't see a change in that. And we're not quite sure what to do. And we're left with a stump in our life, a pain. But Isaiah continues and talks about what I would call a present hope. The image goes from this. There's a stump. And from that stump of Jesse, a shoot rises. And if you look at the, the screen there, that's a stump. And what I discovered uh, from my mom's backyard is you can cut a tree as closest to the ground as possible, and you think it's dead. But, it's, but oftentimes a tree will survive without the trunk and, and branches and the leaves. And in fact, if in order to kill a tree, effectively you drill holes into the stump of the tree and poison it so the poison goes all the way throughout the root system. Otherwise, that tree, uh, that stump of a tree at some moment in time can shoot up a shoot. Give life again from its roots. And so Isaiah is saying that what you see now is a present darkness, but what you don't see right now is that in the future there will be a shoot, a a hope that comes, life. About 300 years before Isaiah wrote uh, what he did, there was a king by the name of David. And God says to David, and he's the, the most famous uh, of the Jewish king, in fact, um, yeah, um, oftentimes Israel is associated with the, uh, the, the star of David. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, God says this to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will uh, raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. So the promise that God gave to David is that from your body, so a biological child will come, and through your lineage, I will establish my kingdom, Um, and afterwards, in verse 16, that your throne shall be established forever. It will be a forever thing. And in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 through 5, Isaiah seems to be talking about this this Messiah that's coming and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes sees or decide uh, disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity the meek uh, of the earth. There shall be a time when a Messiah would come. He will be led by the Spirit and he will judge with righteousness. But um, the promise that was made to David, how does this take place when what will happen to the nation of Israel is that uh, both northern and southern and the whole of Israel will be decimated, carried off. The walls are broken, the temple is broken, the king, the last king that we know of, Zedekiah, is killed. How is God going to fulfill the promise given to David to the collective nation of Israel? Okay. Isaiah seems to say that something will happen, but how? Okay, now this is the Bible nerd time, okay? 
So if you, if you like the Bible and you're a little bit of a history buff, then you'll like this part. Okay, if not, just kind of be patient and listen in. All right? uh, I said that the last king of Judah or the southern Israel, is, his name is Zedekiah, right? He's the one killed. Okay? But Zedekiah is not actually from the line of David. The second to the last king of southern uh, Israel or Judah is uh, a king by the name of uh, Jehoiachin. He's what we think is the, the last Chinese you know, king of Israel. I was, that was a joke. Okay? That was, he had a father who was Korean, Jehoiakim, but that's, that's a seminarian joke, all right? So the second to the last king of Israel, Jehoiachin, we're told in 2 Kings 24, 15, when the Babylonians were threatening, Jehoiachin says, we give up. I can't do anything. So in 2 Kings 24, 15, the king of Babylon carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon. The king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, the chief men of the land, he took into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay? So the last king was killed in his lineage, but the second to the last king, Jehoiachin, was carried off as a prisoner to Babylon. And if you, when you look at the Old Testament, uh, the set of books that kind of describes the nation of Israel and its history, the last book that kind of does that is Second Kings and Second Chronicles. The very, very last part of Second Kings uh, uh, t- gives us a scene, and it is this scene in Second Kings chapter twenty-four, verses twenty-seven through uh, thirty. And in the thirty-seventh year of the exile of Jehoiachin, a king of Judah, evil Merodach, king of Babylon graciously freed Jehoiachin, king of Judah, from prison, and he spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. And so Jehoiachin put off his prison garments, and every day day of his life, he dined regularly with the king's table. So what we see is this. The last scene is this uh, king of uh, Israel, Jehoiachin, who was in the line of David, uh, not dead, but a prisoner who becomes a guest in Babylon. Um, now we turn some more chapters. Now we get to this big gap in history called the, the, the 400 years of silence. And then we get to the first book of the New Testament, which is the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Okay. Isaiah talked about what's going, on, what's going to happen. There's, there has to be this the Messiah, a shoot from the line of Jesse. Uh, by the way, Jesse is the, the father of David. Okay, so something, someone has to come from the line of David. In Matthew chapter one, verses twelve through sixteen, and after the deportation of uh, Babylon. Jeconiah, which is another name for uh, Jehoiachin, so it's like Bill and William. Jeconiah, or Jehoiachin, was the father of Sheatil, and Sheatil the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abayud, and Abayud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. A promise was made to David. People were probably wondering, is that what, what happened to that promise? God preserves Jehoiachin. Uh, generations later, we find uh, Joseph, who has a son 
His name is Jesus. When Jesus was born, when he becomes of an adult age, we're told in Luke chapter 4 that he goes into the synagogue on a, a, a Saturday during the Sabbath. He rolls out a scroll, and we're told in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, he reads directly from Isaiah chapter 61, 6. And this is the prophecy given by Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So it's something Isaiah said about a coming Messiah, someone who will be a liberator. And then what's fascinating, I love how Luke kind of uh, recounts the story. Luke chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. And Jesus rolls up the scrolls, uh, gives it back to the attendant, sits down, and oftentimes in that synagogue era, uh, teaching is done at a seated position. Jesus sits down, and, he, and, all, and the eyes of all uh, in the synagogue are fixed on him, and he began to say to them, and, and this is uh, the powerful thing that he says, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He just told the synagogue audience the prophecy that Isaiah gave, gave that our people had been waiting for. Today it's been fulfilled. It's me. Jesus is that shoot from the stump of Jesse. 400 years later, the prophecy, the promise, the hope had been fulfilled in Jesus. You know, this is... Um, Something that is difficult to, for us to kind of accept, but it is this, that oftentimes uh, that the promises and hope given by God are not necessarily fulfilled in our lifetime, but they are fulfilled in our children or our grandchildren or a future lifetime. You see, we look at our lives as the beginning is our birth date, and the, our death is our end date. God sees things differently. God sees us as a beginning and our eternity. And, he, and when he makes us a promise, it's not simply a promise for this lifetime, but our eternity time. And so this, the the thing that we thought was dead, the stump, out of that comes a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And what Isaiah 1 says is that it will bear branches and bear fruit. It will, and it says that there, it will blossom. As we continue to look at Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, we're given a description, not only of a righteous king, but a different world. It says that the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf, and the lion, and the fattened calf together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adders. Then they shall not hurt or destroy in my in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah sees, uh, looks forward, and he sees a, 
in the coming future, there is a Messiah that will come. He will be filled with the Spirit. He will uh, rule with righteousness. But as he looks even further, he sees a time when the world will be different. There will be no hurt or destruction. And a child can play with a cobra and, and the child will not get injured. Isaiah is talking about a future fulfillment of the promises and hope God has given to us. You know, sometimes... We believe that if we pray enough, if we're faithful enough, we're good enough, God will hear all of our prayers in this lifetime. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter dedicated to kind of like a hall of faith, those who have great faith. And it talks about uh, people like Abraham and Sarah who so desperately wanted a boy and God promised them a boy, but they didn't have one. And so they had given up hope and that God gave them a son. God, and Hebrews 11 talks about Moses who thought that he would lead his people from oppression. And he had to wait 40 years in the desert. But God used this older Moses to lead his people. And we think that if we're just faithful enough, if we pray enough, that God will hear our prayers for a baby, for deliverance, for a healing in this lifetime. But this is what Hebrews 11 continues to talk about in terms of people of faith. Hebrews 11, 35 on. Women received back, uh, their, uh, back their dead by resurrection. Yes, uh, by faith we can even receive the dead from destruction. But as it continues, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not one uh, worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Um, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that people of faith oftentimes live this lifetime not having seen all of the promises fulfilled. Verses 39 and 40, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had promised, provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. There was something beyond this lifetime. It is not, diff- uh, it is not easy to grasp, But not all of the promises and hope given by God will be fulfilled in our lifetime because our lifetime does not end with our death, but it is eternity. You may have heard about a particular church in China, the Early Rain Covenant Church, and a lot of people have been posting and praying over it. About 100 of their members have been detained by the Chinese government. And uh, the pastor, pastor's wife, the elders, deacons, and in fact, you know, if if our Living Hope Community Church was in China, in Chengdu, and we were worshiping, and we were registered, uh, many of the servant officers here would have been detained. Pastor Wang Yi, the, the pastor of that church, wrote an open letter that is being distributed, and this is what he writes. Separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life, and no one can raise me from the dead. 
Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my King and the King of the whole earth, yesterday, today, and forever. I am His servant, and I am in prison because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God, and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's law. As a pastor... My disobedience is one part of the gospel commission. Christ's great commission requires us to great disobedience. The goal of disobedience is not to change the world, but to testify about another world. Pastor Wang Yi is saying, yes, you can put me in prison. You can even kill me. But the world is not just what you and I see, but it is another world, an eternal world. One of the elders' wife penned a letter to her husband, and she wrote, "At nights, tears flow my, my, um, by themselves, it, but it's not grief. It's hard to exa- say exactly what it is. I just spent a long time thinking about it, and I'm still thinking to myself, why are you crying? I finally asked myself, aren't you willing to experience this tiny little bit of pain for the Lord? My conclusion was, I'm willing. I'm willing because I know that this is... This light momentary affliction is not worth comparing to that eternal glory that is to come. When Stephanie gave her testimony about how her prayers for her son, uh, her heart prayer for her son was never answered in this lifetime, her conclusion was this. Although Joseph is dead, he gained back his life because of the cross. Eventually, we will all die But as believers, because of the cross, we have eternal life. Praise the Lord. I believe when Stephanie one day will meet her Lord in heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ will call her into his office and throngs of angels will surround him and say, Stephanie, I have great news for you. Your son, Joseph, he's here. He has no autism here. I want you to meet this young man. I believe there will be those who, when we get to heaven, when we meet our Lord Jesus Christ, he will say to you, come, meet your sister. She's free of cancer. She's she's full of vitality now. I believe there will be those of you whom the Lord will say, come, come. Meet this child that you knew only as a baby. She's all grown up. She's beautiful. She, she, doesn't have, uh, she, has a, she doesn't have a heart defect now. I believe there are those of you who will say, whom the Lord will say, I want you to meet your dad. He's no longer wrestling with dementia and Alzheimer. Speak to him. He's been waiting for you. You see, our hope and darkness we can still hope in darkness because this life is not all we have, but we have eternity to look forward to because of our Lord Jesus. Would you pray with me? So Lord Jesus, we come before you and we thank you. And we pray in particular for those prayer requests that have not been answered by you. And we still grieve at those prayer requests. 
but we look forward to the promises that you have given to us, a promise of love, a promise of hope, promise of goodness, and we cling desperately on to those things. And we trust that a good God will keep his promise, if not in this lifetime, in the lifetime next. So we thank you for that, for the work that you've done, Jesus, on the cross, so that we can look forward to our future hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.